Welcome to another edition of The Greater Work, the audio outreach of Christ Worker Ministries. Listen in as experienced employee and minister, Sean Gibson brings biblical insights to help you worship God both in and with your labor. Now, let's get to work. Welcome back to the Greater Work Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sean Gibson. Now, over the last several weeks, we've been discussing navigating sexual temptation in the workplace from that of a Christian's perspective. While sex is something that God intended for us to both enjoy and also to bring new life into the world, when sex goes outside the lines of marriage, things can go very wrong. Especially true in the workplaces of today, sex and sexuality and sexual harassment are all things that are taken very, very seriously. In a report done by the EEOC, it reported that on average, 2,700 individuals report being sexually harassed in the workplace every year. As believers in Christ, whether we're single or married, we need to ensure that we have our sexual conduct in order, especially in the workplace. Anything less than godly integrity will not do. Even one slip-up can have a devastating consequence to your life. Now, sexual temptation can happen to any of us at any time, including in the workplace. Thankfully, when we encounter sexual temptation, we do not have to think that we're horrible because we're being tempted. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide an escape so that you can stand up under it. The Bible says that all temptations are common, and with the common temptation that you're facing, he will not allow you to be tempted more than you can bear. God will provide a way of escape for you to get out of that situation and maintain your sexual integrity as well. As followers of Christ, how can we keep ourselves from being engaged in a situation that appears compromising sexually and also recognize when we need to take God's escape plan? The answer is something I call preventative maintenance. Let's get into the Word of God and then talk about the practical applications that we can do. 1 Corinthians 7 verses 3 through 5 says, The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife. Deprive not each other, except for mutual consent for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then... Come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. To all my married friends out there, listen. Husbands, your wife has singular authority over your body. Wives, you're no different. Your husbands have exclusive jurisdiction over your body. Now let's let that sink in for a minute. Your spouse is the only one in the world that is allowed to utilize your body for sexual satisfaction. In the words of the well-known singer James Brown, I'm just a love machine, and I will not work for anybody but you. That is what we should be saying. When we exchange our vows on our wedding day, our spouse becomes the only one that we can both give and receive sexuality from. Paul the Apostle wrote that we should never withhold the blessing of sex from our spouse unless it's for a specific reason like prayer. But even that must be agreed upon for a set duration of time. Some of us like to pray for a long time, while others prefer quick prayers. Regardless, you and your spouse need to decide how long that you might postpone sex for prayer 
And in doing so, you need to get right back at it because Satan will tempt you to stray. One of the best ways to stay sexually pure is to focus on satisfying your spouse. Proverbs 5 says, Drink water from your own cistern and running water from your own well. Why should your springs flow into the streets and your streams of water into the public squares? Let them be your own, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful fawn, and may her breasts satisfy you always. May you be captivated by her love forever. Again, although this was written to young men, the same applies both to men and women. When we need to be captivated, we need to do this with each other's love. If you're not captivated by your spouse, let me ask you a question. What have you done lately to ensure that your spouse is captivated by you? While for some, marriage counseling may be needed, but for most, get back in the game and up your romance game. Be your spouse's greatest lover in word, in deed, and in the bedroom. Do everything you can to enhance your romance. Now, once you've done that, the remaining principles of keeping your spouse as your focus, they become obvious. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee sexual immorality. Colossians 3.5, put to death the components of your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, and lust. Now, that word death here means to view it as a corpse. The way this is done is by yielding to the Spirit and allowing Him to bring death to our sexual impurity. Romans 8.13 reminds us, If you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So let's talk practically how um, we can do what the Bible says to keep our sex life with our spouse pure while also glorifying God in the process. First up, guard your conversations with your co-workers, especially those of the opposite sex. Ephesians 5 verse 3 says, but among you, as is proper among all saints, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or greed. If you are with a coworker and they're talking about that new good-looking coworker that was just hired, and they start going into detail about what part of them they're attracted to, don't add your two cents. Walk away. Get out of there. If you chime in that you like certain body parts on that new coworker, you're compromising. And if that new coworker hears you, that can be grounds for sexual harassment as well. Secondly, guard your eyes. In Job 31 verse 1, Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze with desire at a virgin? Even in Job's day, people looked at younger people and lusted. Instead of going along with that, he decided to keep his view straight on his wife. A few years ago, I learned about bouncing your eyes around when you're looking at people. Keep your eyes from landing too long on someone of the opposite sex, especially. Why? Because that first look identifies whether that's a man or a woman. The second look is to identify what kind of man or woman that is. And then that third look, that's to identify what you want to do with that kind of man or woman. Next step, be careful with the words of affirmation that you offer. Proverbs 2 verse 16 says, It will rescue you from the forbidden woman, from the stranger with seductive words. If you give a word of affirmation to a coworker, let it be the same regardless whether they're a man or a woman. And for goodness sakes, don't add any romantic comments. Keep your comments simple and make sure it's related to a specific task. The fewer the words, the better everyone will be. Also, if you receive a word of affirmation that could be considered too far, bring up your spouse. Kill the mood 
as quick as you can and make it known that your spouse does not authorize you to cross the line into that type of emotional or even physical activity. The fourth step in maintaining your sexual purity in the workplace, guard your sense of touch. Proverbs 5.20 says, why be captivated, my son? And again, this can mean a woman as well, by an adulteress or embrace the bosom of a stranger. Now listen to me here. Let's get practical. I don't care if you consider yourself a hugger. If you rub up on certain people, they will get aroused whether you meant anything by it or not. If you have to hug, make sure it's a side-armed hug. Hugs can be taken the wrong way. And for goodness sake, if you do hug somebody at work, let them go and don't keep holding on to them, especially don't start rubbing their back. Along the same lines, unless you work as a massage therapist, your coworkers and clients do not need you rubbing them. You do not need to be rubbing up on them anywhere. Again, I understand that some of you are physical people, but focus your physicality on your spouse. If you need a massage, ask for one from your spouse, or better yet, offer to give one to your spouse, and then you can get one really good in return. That's never a bad idea, ever, I promise you. Lastly, guard your presence. I'm not talking gifts, I'm talking about the area around you. Not working alone with someone of the opposite sex may not always be possible. However, if you have to be alone with a client or a customer of the opposite sex, be smart. Keep doors open if you're in an office. If the occasion for temptation is real, resist riding alone in the car with them. And do your best to make any encounter that you have in a public place. Being alone can open the door for misinterpretations, misunderstandings, and even false accusations from those that see you. Protect your presence. Don't be like Joseph in the book of Genesis when he was left alone with Potiphar's wife. I'm sure you know that story. Unfortunately, while some of these principles seem to be common sense, the thing is, is that when our emotions and our, our expectations and our hormones get going, they must be kept in check. We must understand that we are to kill our flesh by the spirit in terms of sex and sexual activity outside of marriage while making it alive and passionate inside of our marriage. As I bring this message to a close, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will help you live out your best in your marriage and in your sex life while maintaining your integrity in all of your relationships at work. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the one that listened today that maybe needed that, that extra nudging. Hey, uh, you know, we're, we're crossing a line here. Didn't plan on it. But after hearing this message, I realized I need to take a step back. I need to reevaluate. Father, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for sending your word in due time and rescuing that person from making a, a horrible mistake. But Father, for, for the rest of us that go about our day on a daily basis, and you know we may not seem to be walking in any uh, direct temptation, Father, don't let us get complacent. Remind us that we need to do these basics. We need to guard what we say. Uh, we need to guard our presence. We don't need to go touching everybody. But we always need to make sure that we're loving you first and then our spouse immediately to follow. Help us to stay diligent in that. And I pray that you would help us that are married to get our marriages in such a great romantic hot place right now that there is nothing that can come against us, our marriage or even our spouse. I thank you for that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Greater Work, a Christ Worker Ministries podcast. The Greater Work is supported by hardworking listeners just like you. To learn more about Christ Worker Ministries and how you can become part of our growing outreach, visit ChristWorker.org.